This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting Corporation and Supertalk Mississippi Media. Thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joe Ladinsami, your co-host, joined by economist Natasha Serdorch, co-founder of International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable guests include leading voices from business, government, media, energy, technology, healthcare, and the broad policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Spotify. Visit America's Roundtable at americasrt.com. We invite donors and advertisers to reach us by visiting our website, americasrt.com. Welcome to America's Roundtable. This weekend on America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., we're truly honored to be joined by a brave American, one of America's principal media leaders, Chris Mitchell. Chris Mitchell is the CBN News Middle East Bureau Chief based in Jerusalem, Israel. Chris Mitchell first began reporting on the Middle East in the mid-1990s. He repeatedly traveled there to report on the religious and political issues facing Israel and the surrounding Arab states. He has traveled extensively, including the more difficult places affected by conflicts and war. There are very few Western journalists that have such a deep understanding of Israel within the Middle East and the challenges and opportunities that the Jewish state faces in the 21st century. And for our listeners, we encourage you to consider viewing CBN News, the Jerusalem Dateline, on cable TV or YouTube. He is an author of excellent books, including ISIS, Iran, and Israel, What You Need to Know About the Current Mideast Crisis and the Coming Mideast War. And without any further delay, we welcome Chris Mitchell to America's Roundtable. Welcome, Chris. Hey, Joel and Natasha. It's great to be with you again. Thank you, Chris. Now, Chris, we've been engaged in Israel for some time, and uh, we have really experienced Israel's existence. And what was it like for you to be in Israel uh, for the nation's 75th anniversary? And what was the mood of Israel citizens who have long sought the return to their homeland? Well, it was really a privilege to be here at the 75th anniversary. And uh, we did a story for the CBN uh, News and the 700 Club uh, about the 75th anniversary. We talked to the head of Yad Vashem, Israel's Holocaust Memorial. Uh, We talked to the Strategic Affairs Minister, Ron Dermer. We talked to uh, Danielle Moore from the Jewish Agency. Uh, And the theme that uh, the story we did was what a miracle it is uh, of Israel after 75 years when it was established on May 14, 1948, attacked there right after that by six Arab armies that wanted to drive the Jews into the sea. It not only survived that war, but also 1967, the Six-Day War, the Yom Kippur War in 1973, intifadas, uh, you know, terror attacks. It's, it's really remarkable after 75 years, the Jewish people and the state of Israel has not only survived, but thrived. Uh, even now, it's surrounded by threats, uh, both internal and external. And and yet, I think being here during the 75th anniversary uh, was a testament to see the resilience of the Jewish people and really the miracle of what God has done uh, in the past 75 years. In fact, uh, we'd like to encourage our listeners uh, to check out that excellent report. Its headline is Modern Israel's 75th Birthday, Celebrating the Miracle. And if I could just uh, quote a, a statement from that, Chris, from a biblical perspective, many see Israel fulfilling the prophecy in the book of Ezekiel, 
where the dry bones of the Jewish people come to life after 2,000 years of exile, unquote. And you mentioned your conversation with Danny Dayan, who's the chairman of Israel's Yad Vashem Holocaust Memorial, where he used the word miracle. And then also in your conversation with the former U.S. Ambassador Ron Dermer, now a cabinet member in Israel's conservative government, uh, when he said, and I quote, it's a modern miracle, the rebirth of the Jewish state against all odds, unquote. And we also reflect on America's founding, where our founding fathers also talked about a miracle, the American founding on Judeo-Christian tradition. Chris, from your perspective, how would you describe this modern-day miracle, the rebirth of Israel as a sovereign state, and for us to be as eyewitnesses of this extraordinary unfolding of history? Well, it's never happened before. It's never happened when a people have been dispersed to the four corners of the earth, and after almost 2,000 years brought back uh, to their original homeland, the homeland that they have been here for at least 3,000 years, if not 4,000 years, all the way back to Abraham, uh, they have the language that they spoke 2,000 years ago, the Hebrew language, Hebrew language that's been revived. And uh, so this is unprecedented in history. And it's just uh, what the prophet said, like Ezekiel, not only Ezekiel, but Jeremiah and Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah famously said, can a nation be born in a day? And May 14, 1948, it was born in a day. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's just you know, unprecedented, historic. Uh, this is the Bible coming to life uh, to see the Jewish people return and not only, uh, as I said, survive, but thrive and become the startup nation where there's more startup uh, companies here than any other nation per capita in the world, where the Jewish people uh, typically go out to help people in natural disasters. Uh, and so many of the technological marvels we enjoy in the world today came from here in Israel. So it's just something that's never happened before, and it's certainly seeing the Bible coming to life. And Chris, in 2020, uh, during the Trump administration, the Abraham Accords were signed between Israel, United Arab Emirates, and Bahrain in Washington, D.C. Uh, soon after, Morocco and Sudan joined the Abraham Accords, and all the signatories committed to pursue a vision of peace, security, and prosperity in the Middle East and around the world. And when we think about the significance of the Abraham Accords, it was actually first time after some 26 years that people came together, those people that were cut off from the opportunities to trade and invest among themselves and from visiting each other. They also aligned against Iran, a common enemy, and also finally recognized that the peace and prosperity in the Middle East is possible despite Palestinian leadership opposition. Now, we are witnessing geopolitical shifts under the Biden administration and strong departure from America's policy of peace to strength, which was pursued by Ronald Reagan and most recently by President Trump. And this is very much obvious in the Middle East. China brokered a reconciliation agreement between Iranian and Saudi foreign ministers during their meeting in Beijing. Most recently, senior Saudi officials were planning to meet with leaders of Hamas, which is Iran-backed, Palestinian militant group and designated by the U.S. as a terrorist group. Israel's Prime Minister Netanyahu stated in December that one of his top goals was normalizing relations with Saudi Arabia. Now, with Saudi Arabia's closer ties with Iran and Iran-backed Hamas, 
while Iranian government repeatedly still vowing to wipe Israel off the map and displaying a, apparently a ballistic missile with the words death to Israel, also recently, which was you know written in Hebrew. How will this all impact Israel's intention to normalize relations with Saudi Arabia? And where are we? Who is representing the interests of the United States in the Middle East? Well, I think it makes it much harder, Natasha, for the uh, for the Israel to uh, normalize relations with Saudi Arabia. Uh, we talked just a couple of days ago to the former ambassador to Israel uh, from the U.S., David Friedman. We asked him uh, pretty much that same question. Uh, you know, what does this mean for the Middle East? And he was telling us that it really wasn't directed, this new relationship with Saudi Arabia and Iran brokered by China. Uh, it was more directed at the uh, United States. It was a shot across the bow, as he put it, uh, that the United States has not taken seriously the relationship with Saudi Arabia. It hasn't developed the relationship with Saudi Arabia, our key ally here in the region, uh, in so many ways, uh, whether it's geopolitical, financial, uh, petro mm -hmm. dollars, uh, it, it means a great deal to the United States, Israel and the world. Uh, and yet this relationship has uh, been been fractured uh, since the Biden administration took over. And it really does have ramifications and repercussions uh, throughout the region. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that Israel cannot have normalizations uh, relations with Saudi Arabia, but it makes it very harder. And it certainly just ch changed the dynamic geopolitically that allows China to come in as a major broker uh, between these two nations. Uh, one thing that should be pointed out is that there's really no illusions that Saudi Arabia and Iran necessarily uh, really have a fondness for each other right now. They're still enemies uh, and below the scenes uh, they still remain enemies. Uh, and yet I think there are advantages for both nations. Uh, Saudi Arabia wants quiet and peace. They want to develop their um, goals for 2030. They want to have this uh, transformation for the Saudi Arabian uh, economy away from oil and more towards tourism. Uh, they have a pretty ambitious plan for that. So Iran and, as well uh, would like to have this uh, stabilization for its own purposes as, as it's uh, doing what uh, strategic affairs Ron Dermer told us uh, really trying to put a noose around Israel by ha fostering all these proxies that surround Israel, Hezbollah in Lebanon, the uh, Iranian militias inside Syria, the Houthis in Yemen. Uh, they really want to surround uh, Israel. And at the time they feel is appropriate, uh, you know, they want to overwhelm the uh, the Israel by the rockets that they have positioned in all of these places. And uh, so their goals haven't changed. They want to destroy Israel, annihilate Israel, and uh, waiting for the right time, they can try to do that. So, But all this, and much of it, um, I know some people would say, like David Friedman, has been the U.S. weakness in the region, has allowed China to come in, has allowed Iran to grow stronger, and, and actually made many of our allies here, like Israel and Saudi Arabia, weaker as a result. Mm. I'm glad that you mentioned uh, Ambassador Friedman, uh, because in his book, uh, excellent book, Sledgehammer, How Breaking with the Past Brought Peace to the Middle East, uh, he said, and I quote, and finally, peace with the Palestinians is possible. If we learn one thing about the Abraham Accords, it is that the historic conflict between Jews and Muslims is neither religious, nor racial, nor inevitable. 
Indeed, many do not even remember why the conflict ever existed. The Israeli-Palestinian conflict can be resolved with bold new Palestinian leadership who place the interest of their people above their own Swiss bank accounts. Unquote. And we must also say that Palestinians have not had elections since 2006. So the momentum that was built through the Abraham Accords by the Trump administration came to a sudden halt with the Biden administration. Chris, what are your thoughts? How can we reverse that? Well, I, I guess the reversal would come back, going back to the same kind of policies under the Trump administration. Uh, you know, they reversed something that had been gone on for a quarter of a century or more, uh, why exceeding to the, uh, giving the Palestinian Authority basically a veto uh, against any other peace treaties with any many of the suiting Arab nations. And then when they came in, uh, you know, they, they looked at the world a whole lot differently. And uh, they were able to go out and uh, negotiate these deals with the UAE, Bahrain, Sudan, and Morocco. And hopefully, and I'm sure they plan to do Saudi Arabia right. if they were elected mm -hmm. to a second term. Uh, and they recognize this. I remember an interview we did a few years ago with uh, Ambassador Friedman, where he said it was basically like low-hanging fruit. And they realized this was possible if they didn't allow the Palestinian Authority to have a veto over these other relationships. And I think he's right. There does need to be a new Palestinian relationship. If you go to a website like palwatch.org, the Palestinian Media Watch, and if you see what the Palestinian Authority says on a daily basis, nearly, they want to drive Israel into the sea. They they lionize uh, terrorism and terrorists. They pay those that have uh, that have slain uh, Jews and. That's a policy that really is horrific, and, and it engenders this kind of terrorism. So they looked at the world a whole lot differently, and I think if they, if any administration would go back to that same policy, I think things would change once again. Mm -hmm. And Chris, your final thoughts on the future of the U.S.-Israel partnership. What can America's citizen stakeholders and legislators do to really advance the vital U.S.-Israel partnership? Well, I think, first of all, they could pray and pray for the peace of Jerusalem, pray for wisdom for leaders here in uh, Israel, as well as the United States, that they would have uh, godly ideas and, and principles and pursue them, uh, but also to encourage, be in touch with your representatives and, and encourage them uh, to support Israel in, in spite of all the threats that it's facing, especially the Iranian nuclear threat that uh, you know, threatens their very existence. And I, I think it's important that uh, that policymakers, that representatives uh, in the administration on Capitol Hill really see the relationship for what it is. It's the best in the world. And uh, Israel represents democracy here in the Middle East, and it represents the number one ally, I think, of, of uh, all the nations in the world. And there's such a close intelligence and, and security relationship uh, thankfully, that has gone on despite uh, any and administrations that has remained strong. But uh, to continue to support Israel and encourage our representatives to stand with the Jewish people in the state of Israel. This week on America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., we have been joined by Chris Mitchell, the CBN News Middle East Bureau Chief based in Jerusalem, Israel. Thank you, Chris, for joining us this weekend. And we certainly, you know, encourage our listeners to seek out news coming in from the Jerusalem Dateline by the CBN News team. Thank you so much, Chris. Great to be with you, Joel and Natasha. God bless. God bless. God bless. 
This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting Corporation and Supertalk Mississippi Media. Thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joel Sami, your co-host, joined by economist Natasha Serdorch, co-founder of International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable guests include leading voices from business, government, media, energy, technology, healthcare, and the broad policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Spotify. Visit America's Roundtable at americasrt.com. We invite donors and advertisers to reach us by visiting our website, americasrt.com. 